going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to NBA Stories. I'm your host, Nick Nasby. Once again, I'm joined by my co-host, Mike Candelora. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Love to break down the NBA per usual. And also, just looking forward to kind of delving into what happened last night and talking about the outlook for the season in more ways than we did last week. NBA started last night. The 22nd, we had a couple good games on. You know, we're looking forward to to breaking them down and to help us break it down. You haven't heard his voice in a little bit of time, but he's back to help us. Mr. Logan Semigram. Logan, how's it going? Welcome back. Yes, sir. Everything's great. Uh, NBA season is back. I'm losing more money. Things have been good. Things have been good. Exciting to be back. We're happy to have you, Logan. Thanks for being here. And like I said, last night the NBA started. We had a couple good games. Before we go into the games, though, like I always like to talk about, if you like what you're hearing today and every time you listen to us, a couple things you can do to help us out. Hit that subscribe button. Let us know what you think. Let us know how you're feeling about it. At the same time, leave a five-star review just so you can do the same thing. We're happy to listen. We're happy to listen to what you think and what you want moving forward, especially Mike and I. We love hearing what the people want, so that's what we're trying to do. This week, we had a lot of extensions signed. Mike, I don't know if you saw. All of these guys who didn't get like major contracts are getting these extensions done, and, and, and we're here to talk about it, mainly because my guy got signed for more years, and you like to talk shit about him, Mike. You like to talk shit about him, Logan, but Markel Fultz just got paid in Orlando. He's got three-year, $50 million from the Orlando Magic, and I think personally that he deserves it. I don't know what you guys think. Is there any dissenting opinions on this? I mean, I guess he deserves it for the amount of shit he takes. To be honest with you, I don't really think this guy's proven much. Uh, he he sort of revived his career, but I think he needs to have one more good year of just high offensive scoring. The defensive talent is there. He just he, he needs his jump shot. He needs to get more comfortable. He he still seems a bit little uncomfortable, and I feel like we need one full season of just good basketball from him, and that's if they make the playoffs again. What one more year for him to prove something to me? I think it's warranted. I think that as much as I've shit on him, as much as I've discredited him, I think that it's a very fair contract given the NBA market. Uh, for example, like he's getting paid what three years, fifty-five million, correct? That was his extension. Three, three years, fifty. Yeah, three years, fifty million. So I mean, it's right on par to what we've been seeing from all these other guys. I mean. He's getting paid in less than like a Markeith Morris, and I'm completely okay with that. Because he has, it's a good deal for the Magic, in my opinion, because if he grows into what he's supposed to be and what a lot of other people think and what the Magic think, this is going to be like pennies on a dollar. But if he doesn't, it's kind of hedging your bet because at the end of the day, you're not investing an absorbent amount of money in him. But you're investing a quite a little bit, and you're investing in him to be a starting caliber player. And a top four play in your rotation. And he already is that. And he's only going to get better as young age. Would you consider Orlando a big market team? No. No, 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 no. They, they've, I mean, Orlando's not a big city. It's not a big market. They only have one professional sports team. The only time it was even relatively like relevant was when they had Shaq and when they had Dwight Howard. So like those two times were the only times that people haven't ever even really cared about Orlando. I, I like your point there. The thing that I'm thinking about this is because they also signed Isaac to, I, th- I want to say, let me see, they signed him to four years, 80 million, the same, essentially like the same day 
that they signed Markel Fultz. So like what I'm hearing is that the Magic really think that this core is is their future and that they're trying to build around it. Do you think that Isaac? I mean, Isaac has has his issues, unfortunately, with with injuries, and Fultz is unproven. Do you think that this core of the of the Magic is like viable for the future? I think they're. I I definitely think they're just using their resources and sticking to what they have. And I I think this goes to show a lot about management. I don't think there's a lot of trust that they can land a big market player over the next four or five years. So I think they're trying to secure what they have right now so they don't end up in the dumps of the Eastern Conference once again. To kind of go off what you asked, Nick, it's tough to say, but I think they just have faith in your younger players. I don't think they have faith in the long term of the guys having their probably like Evan Fournier and Nikola Vucevic who are trade candidates for this offseason like not offseason but for the trade deadline if like the Magic shit the bed this year especially in the Eastern Conference that's going to be very challenging more challenging than we've seen in the past couple of years I personally think that the Magic saw that they have two guys that they can work with build their talent and they have what they don't, what they have the intangibles they want in players that can end up being very good producers for them. And if they can get them at a, a little bit below market price in the future, then that's what they're going to do and that's what they're going to gamble on. Because quite frankly, like Logan said, they don't have many other options to do. Because you could blow it up and have another rebuild, but the Magic fans just went through that. Do you want to go through that again? No. And it's also the thing. To, to bank on that too is like they have to rely on what they have and the pieces that they get either through the draft or through trades because it's very hard for them to attract somebody to Orlando as a destination in free agency. Exactly. Like it doesn't and, really happen. And they don't have cap space. I mean, these guys that they're re-signing are guys that are have burr rights on. They can go over to cap for. But before that, they didn't really have any cap space. And they're kind of similar to what the Pistons were doing the last few years before – it kind of went off the rails. They're just like hanging on that six to eight seed range at best. I mean, Magic fans, that's what they're happy with. Like there's franchises in the NBA that are okay with winning championships and all they want to do is win championships. There's so some that are okay with just making the playoffs and there's others that just want to rebuild. And they're the Magic fan base as of right now, after going through all those years of rebuilding and haven't been a serious contender since D twelve in Orlando, they just want they just want to play off basketball and especially to get their young guys exposed to playoff basketball. I mean, they also are getting back a healthy Aaron Gordon this year, who hopefully can have a bounce-back year for them. And we'll see what the Magic are capable of, and we'll see if they can crack the postseason dance. Yeah, I think they're probably going to at least vie for a 6-8 to eight seed. But just like you're saying, like this limbo that these teams fall into, like they're there a lot of times. Recently, I would say like the Kings have been there. The Grizzlies are there all the time, where it's like the best that you're going to expect from them is like a five seed and they're going to go up against a really tough team in the first round of the playoffs and if they want to make it to even the second round they have to pull off some like crazy upset and so it's just this constant limbo and they're unwilling to rebuild which for some teams is fine for other teams it just really feels like they're very comfortable with mediocrity and that's kind of what I've seen from them Honestly, since their inception, even with Dwight, when they got to their apex in 2009 and 2010, when they get to that finals on the back of Dwight Howard, I mean, even at that point, look at just how happy they were to be there. 
and just kind of got worked by the Lakers in the beginning. You know, at the end, obviously the Lakers took over. In the beginning, they were able to to do it. And even in the '90s with Shaq and Penny, you know, they get to the finals and they just un- they're underwhelming. And like the fans are just so happy just to have a team. <laughs> they're so happy that people look at Orlando as not just Disney World that they have something else there. So, you know, I think that them signing these guys is promising because I do like both of them. I like Isaac and I like Fultz, but I just don't I don't know how keys of pieces they're going to be moving forward in order for them to, you know, continuously build around and see what what their future is going to hold with them. On the other hand, our guy OJ Ananube just signed for four million or for four years, seventy-two mil. The Raptors again, they are investing in these pieces that kind of rise organically through their own system, which to an extent is very cool to see. But like some of these guys, I, I think that Ananube is becoming a little bit overrated because of the fact that he got paid really well. He was high on the hundred. You know, his numbers don't really equivocate to where his standpoint is with people. And I, I do think that that's going to start to go by the wayside and it's going to become uh, something that the fan base might get a little frustrated with moving forward. Yeah, I definitely agree with what you just said. Um, although for some reason, um, Messiah Unjuri has given me no reason to doubt him. You know, the guy just always seems to have a plan and I feel like the Raptors have a good culture. He was a part of that championship squad, even though he was injured for most of the season. Um, he, you know, he, he makes shots when he has to make shots. I definitely agree with the overrated statement. Um, definitely isn't enough. He needs to have a full season of contribution. I think that, you know, at a time it was like Ogeon Anube and Pascal Siakam were two names that no one really knew. And they kind of had a chance to both break out at the same time. And I think that's what we saw in Pascal, you know, the defensive star who can also, be, you know, a really good wingman. Uh, He broke out, and I think OG kind of just didn't take that step. Um, You know, just like Markel Fultz. I mean, they're athletic guys. I know OG's got a shot. Um, He just got to prove it. I think by the end of the season, we'll all see that he was worth the money. I just think right now, uh, a lot of people have question marks about it. I got to agree with Logan there. I think that as of right now, it's probably a little bit of a questionable move. But again, it's just the GM... And it's a team together just betting on their own guys, guys that they did their due diligence on, guys that they drafted, guys that they developed. And I'm going to go and bet with those guys as well because I think that if they know that OG can take that next step and be a bona fide 3 and D player and a valuable NBA, I mean, let's put it this way. He got paid less than Joe Harris. I mean, I think OG Anobi's better than Joe Harris. And and he does more things than Joe Harris. So if he could develop into more uh, almost marginally as good as a three point shooter, but instead he could put the ball in the deck consistently and then defend, I mean that's a win right there for seventy four years, seventy two million. Sign me up every day, especially for a guy that has more potential and more of a ceiling than a Joe Harris. I mean, am, am I wrong to say you just got to trust what Messiah and Jury does? The guy just seems to get it right every time. I mean, yes, to an extent, but I also, if they're building around Pascal Siakam, I'm very concerned about his performance in the bubble. Because that, I mean, he wasn't good. He was just, he was flat out bad in the bubble. So, like, if that's their vocal piece, which it kind of feels like it is, that we need some answers on him. Because is he able to be the number one guy 
Is there problems there? Is this consistent? Is he going to be? Uh, is he going to cave under pressure in the playoffs? He was very good as a number two, and I honestly think that he is better off and better suited as a number two. But I don't think that they're going to get any pieces anytime soon that's going to give him that role. So he's going to have to fall into that number one role. Can he do it consistently to get them past teams in the playoffs the way that Kawhi did? No. Right, the way that somebody who who can actually genuinely carry a team, they have a lot of good pieces. You know, they've lost a lot of talent in the last off season, so I think that they're going to take a step back. I think OJ Ananube is definitely part of their their plans. But if you have a solid coach and Nick Nurse, if you have a good roster that they have, you need you need a star. Pascal's a star, but is he is he enough to be a star? I mean, he's very Scottie Pippenish to me. Yeah, I don't see Siakam really being the guy, especially since I just think his game's limited. I don't like his jumper. Like, from the three-point range is inconsistent at best. I mean, he's a good finisher around the rim, but again, we saw in playoff time, when he went to him in a clutch moment, no one was worried about him stepping behind the three-point point line taking a jumper. Instead, they sagged off a little bit, he went in the paint, and threw up a litany of contested layups that, spoiler, didn't go in, and they lost the series. The mat and the bottom line with that is, is that we go back to the question now: Can you really build around a guy other than like an Anthony Davis or a generational talent that can win you games and put the team on your back as like the franchise guy? If you can't hit a three-point jump shot consistently, my answer to that is no. We've seen that now take shape in the NBA, and I think we're going to see that going forward. I mean, Giannis is a prime example, and this is like a poor man's Giannis. Yeah, Like a exactly. very poor man's Giannis. Exactly. So, I mean, it just... Giannis will... We'll see. Oh, yeah, you just you just brought up a whole argument that I didn't want to start, but... I mean, get your money, bro, but he needs a number two. He, he doesn't have that in Milwaukee, and he's going to realize that in three fucking years when they don't sign anyone and it's just gonna suck when he's gonna request it out and, and, it's, and it's gonna be a bad breakup between him and milwaukee but to, ca- to counteract that point though to counteract your point you know chris middleton is a, is a viable and solid number not two in the option playoffs. He, he not is, in the playoffs i don't well and, and, but here but here's the problem in the playoffs and we went into this last week as well you know his issue is that he tries to ball handle a lot, and he he wants to take his jump shots off of the dribble, which to him does it doesn't suit him well. He doesn't shoot very well off of the dribble. Correct. But now they have a genuine bona fide number one point guard in Drew Holiday, a guy who is a great facilitator, a guy who can score when he wants to. He's very efficient from from the field, but he doesn't tend to shoot all that often. He's more interested in facilitating the basketball. And I and if Budenholzer is worth the money. If he's worth the attention that he gets, then he'll utilize Drew Holiday to get the ball out of Giannis's hands and get him off the ball shooting, and and that's that's where I think that it's going to be a lot a lot better for him. I don't think Giannis is is good as a thirty point per game guy. I don't think he's good when he is scoring fifty in a game because that means he's got the ball all the time. And if you can stop Giannis, the rest of the team tends to go by the wayside because they play this five out ball. Correct. You know, that's why they win a lot, and that's why they lose in the playoffs, because they play this five-out ball. If you stop Giannis, you, you essentially just kill kill the head snake, and the rest of the team just goes just goes away. You just take the keystone out of the bridge, it collapses. It's very easy, you know, and, and teams figured it out. So let's see if they can utilize Drew to, to change that, to give everybody different looks consistently, and see if they can essentially, you know, get past it. But I agree with you right now. 
I don't think Giannis is uh, a champion. I don't think he's got the pedigree uh, yet. I mean, he can prove me wrong. They said that about Jordan in the first five, six years. So obviously that wasn't correct. It's just about the what's around him. So, you know, that's that's a whole that's a whole argument we can go into. But what I really wanted to talk about tonight is the season that started last night. And uh, I'm assuming you guys watched the games last night, right? Yes. Correct. The Nets look really fucking good. Really fucking good. Kyrie and, Irving uh, looks really fucking good. Right. And we've been shitting on Kyrie for the past, what, Mike, like five weeks? Oh, <laughs> Consistently. Yeah. No, Kyrie, sucks. <laughs> Kyrie sucks. Don't get me wrong. Kyrie, like, He's like, a horrible human being. As a human being, he sucks. He, like, But people forget, though, because of the fact that he was hurt last year. He was on like a, a, a Nets team that was good but not like amazing, and then he got hurt again. Now people are like, oh, they forget how genuinely talented this guy is. How he is, when he is on, one of the best scorers in the league. Can score in how many different ways did he score? He's one of the night? best I mean, ball he was handlers. Shooting- shooters i would say i would actually say he's the best ball handler ever better than ai I probably better than anybody i've ever seen i agree you know uh, i mean the ball's on a string i uh white chocolate got some moves yeah i mean whatever what what did that what did that do for him huh. <laughs> good in and one tours no so like but <laughs> the thing with Kyrie is like as as toxic of a of a personality as he is he goes in last night and he is just he's scoring from everywhere. He's he's doing everything on the on the on the court that you really would want from a player and he's doing it like just like nothing like nothing ever happened. Like he was never off the field off the court. He ended with 26, 4 assists, 4 boards and he he did that in 25 minutes of play. <laughs> he looked he looked fantastic. The other thing I was noticing is on the other side of the basketball with the Warriors what was a little frustrating for me is just seeing how unfluid or like the lack of fluidity that came when you take Clay Thompson out of the equation with every other piece there, just like how, I, don't, I mean, the, the Warriors just don't look the same without him. You no, know? They're, just show, they're just showing it because they don't have the shooting. We saw that last night. Kelly Oubre and Andrew Wiggins aren't as efficient jump shooters as Clay. And therefore, that system changes a whole different dynamic because the only really real serious threat from three point you have to worry about is Steph Curry. And we saw that last night. He took 10 threes, and about all 10 of them were heavily contested. I mean, he made two of them. Like, Wiggins shot, like, what, like two of 12? Oubre was like six to 17. I mean, these are guys are just thrust into volume scoring roles that they aren't accustomed to. Wiseman was a was a high point of it. Yes. You know, 19 points in 24 minutes. He looked really good. But a, a very I mean you're 100% right with this. Steph was trying he was doing so much to try to get his shot off, but there was no fluidity in the offense because nobody has to worry about the other guys. And and that's what happens when you take Klay Thompson out of it. That's how pivotal he is to a successful Warriors team. That was frustrating as well to me, based on what you're saying, with Andrew Wiggins running the second team. Like he does start, but he also was in the game when Steph and, and the starters are out. Like he's running that second team. And he was absolutely 100 percent incapable of taking the game over, even when they gave him shots. He was incapable yeah, of it. Guy's the worst babysitter I've ever seen. I mean, Christ Almighty. I mean, the the Nets really blew that game open. 
after the fact that well, they won 125-99 because the Warriors put lipstick on the pig in the fourth. But they blew that game open to go up by like 30. <laughs> after the fact that like this second unit came in and Karis LeVert absolutely owned Andrew Wiggins. It wasn't even close. Karis LeVert is turning into a, like a very consistent name. I, I've noticed, you know, in the past couple couple of seasons, he's been somebody who you have to always pay attention to. I mean, yep. he had a fifty burger last year, didn't he? Yes, he put he up did. fifty in one of those games. You know, and 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 now to to have somebody like this, who if if you want to, I I mean, they're not going to because he's so he's so good. But if you wanted to, you could put him off the bench, have him come in like a Jamal Crawford and just fucking cook you when everybody's tired. I mean, that's that's very scary. I think that Steve Nash has has the reins on this team. Um, the issue is always going to be, is Kyrie going to just tank this team because he does it all the time? He runs himself out of cities because he's just kind of a piece of shit. You know, so... Nah, he's happy. Does yeah, that he's, happen? He's got KD. He's happy. I mean, he's not really happy anywhere. I don't really think he likes life. Or he definitely doesn't like the NBA or people, you know? So uh, I don't know what his deal is. I think, you know, there's probably something going on there that he might want to work on. But uh, it's it's going to really come down to, like, is he going to stay happy the whole time? What if they go through a losing streak? What if they get a, a tough part of their schedule where they're, you know, losing a couple games, some guys aren't playing the way that he wants them to play, and uh, and he's unhappy with it, you know? He so like, know those are the kind of things. Right, and, you know, it, you can't just, like, sage a fucking court to, like, make it all go away. You can't it's sage not, a fucking it's, court. <laughs> Charles Barkley said it best. He's like, bro, you dribble a basketball. Like, you're not a teacher or a firefighter or a first responder. Just shut up. He's like, bro, what the hell are you even talking about? Like, well, yeah, I mean, he, but he's he's right and wrong at the same time because you really want you want your guys to to have a voice. You want them to have a platform. That's why the the uh, the whole thing with the bubble was so powerful. To you know where it was powerful is because you want these guys to have a voice. But at the same time, if your voice is saying like you're a bunch of pawns, fuck you. It's like, okay, well, if that's what you want to say, that's fine, but don't call yourself like a role model because you're not. This isn't what kids want. You don't, you don't want your kids looking up to a guy who thinks the earth's flat. It doesn't make sense to them. That's just kind of the issue with Kyrie. So the late, the late game last night was also very interesting to me because it seemed like the Lakers were the better team going into it, but the Clippers definitely took this one. They didn't necessarily take it handedly, but they def- but they pulled it out in the end. And and I, I know a lot of the casuals on Twitter are gonna immediately go to like, oh look at play like playoff P, like look at pandemic P, like he's back, he can score. He had a great game last night. You know, he only missed a couple shots, and I'm pretty sure he put up like 38, 33, 33. You know, but the thing is that I always like to to say to people is like, yeah, this is Paul George. Like he was third in the MVP voting two years ago. It's it's still Paul George. The issue with Paul George is not in the season. It's when the playoffs start and he just doesn't know how to play basketball anymore. That's Paul George. Don't look at the first game of the season. Look at his last game of the season and see what his contributions are then, not now. After the game, I could have told you five things that happened. I could have told you we're going to have it. I knew. I knew the Lakers were going to come out slow. The Lakers do this in every playoff series, and, I'm, and I knew the Lakers were sure as hell going to do it at the beginning of the season. They always come out slow, and it takes them time. And this was just one of those times where even when they caught up, I think Paul George had that momentum. Kawhi Leonard played 34 minutes. That just goes to show you how much they didn't need him. You know, Kawhi Leonard sat basically a whole quarter. It was the Paul George show. Uh, the Lakers missed some shots. 
I mean, they all look nice. Schroeder and Montrezl Harrell look great. And again, this game was a hoax. I think the Lakers are going to beat the Clippers eight times out of ten. And I don't expect, you know, the Lakers to lose much this season. I just think this is a game. It's you got your rings. It's just a t- I think it's just a hangover after the championship. And like I thought in the, when we did the preseason show on win totals and just spitballing who's going to be the one through eight seed. I don't think the Lakers are going to really take the regular season seriously. I think they're going to let the guys like Schroeder, Harrell, THT, they're going to let those guys not like necessarily take the reins or anything ridiculous like that, but they're going to be more focused on their development as players through the regular season because you already know what you're getting out of AD and LeBron. You already know what you're getting out of the other veterans you have on that squad. You just need to know what you're getting out of those three guys who are going to be the main guys that lead that second unit and are going to make the the Lakers a dangerous threat and another team that they can go and ascent to another level. I think we'll see them kind of take coast in the regular season similar to what the Heat did a couple years ago when they had the Heatles and the Big Three. But after that, I think you see them put the the proverbial foot on the throat of the NBA. And I just don't think this game warrants any panic or alarm. This is the Clippers, like, NBA Finals game one. This is the Lakers, like, regular season tune-up game. And that's all it is. I think, because I, I think the Lakers still look good, though. Like, I mean, even yes. though they lost, I think they, they looked really good. It's kind of like how Billy Donovan always used to say about his, his UF teams back in, like, the mid-2000s. He would say, I want them to learn by winning. You know, obviously they didn't win last night, but he was. it was clear that Vogel was figuring out where to put his people. You know, you know what to do with LeBron. You know what to do with AD. But where do we want Schroeder? Where do we want Montrez? Do we want Marcus All playing more than 10 minutes a night? Obviously, it doesn't really look like it from his performance last night. But, you know, where do we want to put these other pieces? Now we have THC. Like, what do we do with him? You know, is he a starter? Is he a, is he a six-man? Like, there's so many moving pieces now on this Lakers team. It's going to take a little bit of time to know what to do with them. And in that time frame... There's definitely going to be a little bit of gridlock. I think we saw that last night, and I think that's where a little bit of that that disconnection happened. Where, again, it's not even a bad thing. It, it, it looked like they were just figuring it out. It's not going to really resonate unless they start to lose consistently, which I don't anticipate is going to happen. I don't think LeBron's going to allow it. I'm waiting for Montrez Harrell to get into a fist fight with the Clippers like the entire game. That's like my one thing. I'm like, is he going to punch somebody or is somebody going to punch him? Because if you think about it, even though it wasn't like a monumental move, it's a little snaky, isn't it? To like go to the other team in your city, that, like when everybody thinks you're going to resign. Oh, yeah. No, 100%. That was one of the more snake moves that we've seen in a while. I mean, almost as bad as Kevin Durant to OKC. I mean, to the Golden State Warriors. The top two teams on paper going into last year's NBA, they were rivals. They talked shit to each other. And Harold decides to jump ship because he doesn't like the two main stars on the Clippers. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that, and he gets underpaid. And it, yeah, he, like, and he, he signs for way cut. too little. He took a pay cut and went to the in state rival squad. That is by far one of the more snake and one of the more just utterly shocking. It was a real moves. fuck you. Yeah, exactly. Absolute fuck you to the team. I think that it just goes to show the lack of confidence in the Clippers organization from the guy who did Montrezl Harrell win six man of the year? He won, right? Yeah. Yeah. That just goes to show the lack of confidence that he has in the team. That, that, that's all that says. 
That is strictly not having confidence in the team's ability to beat the Lakers. It's ex- it's exactly what KD did on a very sh- on a on a on a very very dimmed down level. If that makes any sort of sense. I don't have confidence in them. They're, at the end of the day, they're still the Clippers. <laughs> like, I don't care how good their roster is. It's still the Clippers. They're going to figure out a way to lose. That's what they've been doing since their conception. Best owner in basketball. Don't get me wrong. Oh, besides Mark Cuban. I think Steve Ballmer's there. Yeah, he's up there. The only problem I have with the Clippers offseason and like more about just the Clippers last night, they looked fantastic, but... Again, like I mean, they brought in a bunch of like former Raptors and Pistons. Like, doesn't that ring oh, yeah, a bell? Of losing so- culture. Luke Kennard signs an extension. The fuck? Luke Kennard's good. Luke Kennard's good. The thing is, you might not even know because he's been in Detroit the whole fucking time and he's been injured. But like when he's on the court, the guy's actually relatively productive, and he's been productive for the past couple of seasons. It's just like who gives a shit because he's playing in basement dwelling Detroit. Like we even look at Blake Griffin and he plays there, you know, That's so true. Like, why That's are we going to care about Luke Kennard? Christian Wood is another one where he's, he's been producing and, you know, Mike and I have talked about him consistently because now he's on, on the Rockets, but like he was on the Pistons and people don't even know his name because he was on the Pistons and he was doing very well at that point. So I think that Kennard actually deserved his cash. I know. I a hundred percent agree. I think that just his scoring output as, as it's three point shooter, the only thing that scares me about him is just how well his knee holds up. Because obviously with guys at guard to change direction, try to go to the net, take those like so like coming off screens and using that change of direction, that always is a scary thought of, oh, how is his ACL going to hold up? But I think it's kind of worth it. I mean, they're in a spot now where they have to give him that deal because they're not going to have any cap chase after that. And again, he has bird rights that he can go over to cap because they signed a Baca to a deal. They signed Markeith Morris to a deal. They lined up pockets for Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. I mean, they don't have unlimited resources and money to just give out to players. And I think he was the best deal to give out at the time for the current their current situation. I think it was Warren. Yeah, I mean, there was more extensions this week than there were in the uh, Houston strip club that apparently James Harden was in. <laughs> I like I, overnight. I like that. So speaking of James Harden, and we've talked about some of again, the, again, and, we, and, <laughs> and like and speaking of like some of the guys we talked about, let's go into a segment I w- would like to call that I dubbed the name for most likely to. This is a segment we're going to talk about wars. We're going to start with MVP. Uh, Nick. So who is your MVP in the 2020-2021 NBA season? Spoiler alert: It's not James Harden. Now, the thing I, I talked about last week, and I'm going just to reiterate, is that the MVP is a story, very much like the Heisman in college, right? So the most valuable player in the league is LeBron, and I think anybody could say that he has been the most valuable player in the league every year, probably for the past 14 seasons. Correct. But he's not going to win. He's not going to win because it's not a it's not a fun story to see LeBron winning another championship in in LA. The fun story and the interesting story and the story that's probably going to get the most traction and probably will get this person elevated to the MVP is going to be the story of Luka Doncic. And I believe that is be- the case because this is a young guy, 21, you know, he'll probably he won't even be 22 until when, like the end of the season or maybe not even this entire season. He is playing at a level that we haven't yet seen in someone his age, and he is he has such a multifaceted game that improvements on what he's doing 
is going to look probably somewhere in the range of like 32 points a game and probably an increase of about an assist or two a game. If he's able to work on his defense, it'll just be cream on top of that of that pie. I don't think it's going to matter. I think this year it's going to be Luka Doncic. All eyes are on him right now. We're not giving Giannis back-to-back-to-back. There's just no way. It hasn't happened, I think, since LeBron. I don't know if, if he did that, but uh, it's not going to happen with Giannis, especially since the Bucks, I believe, are going to regress. So my MVP this year is definitely Luka Doncic. I love Luka Doncic as a pick. I just don't think that he... He seems not going to win enough to get that noticeable MVP status. But again, this is me trying to come up with a different name because Luca's got a great shot. You know, he's a he's a he's the future of the NBA. But if I if I had to choose an MVP, I mean, call me crazy, but I think I think Kevin Durant's going to just kill it. I'd say Kevin Durant could be your MVP. I don't hate that. That'd be that. Wait, tight. That's a story. I mean, Christ, coming back off an Achilles injury, rising above all the haters and taking over the Eastern Conference, like what LeBron, what LeBron did in the past, absolutely. That could easily happen. I, to mention, that's a, that, that's, a good, that's a good pick. I like that. Out of all the players that are going to benefit from not having a crowd, I think Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant are going to probably benefit the most from not having fans in the crowd. Kevin Durant has a very big opportunity here. He does not like the media. He does not like the crowd. And I think this is a good season for him to just let his game, you know, his game show. And 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 same with Russell Westbrook. I, I don't – I'm not saying Russell has a shot, but I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some vintage Westbrook this season. I don't think Russell hates the crowd. I think he hates the media. <laughs> he, yeah. hates, he hates anybody who's got a camera in his face. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. My MVP pick is a little bit controversial. Because it's not a conventional pick by any means or the imagination. I'm going to go with Nikola Jokic as my 2020 one wow. MVP. And here, let what? me walk you. Let me walk you through. Let me walk you through. So I'm not the biggest fan of Nikola Jokic, but but the, he's very capable of averaging like 24 points, 11 rebounds, 8.5 assists. I think the Nuggets this year are going to be the one seed in the Western Conference just because I think they care about the the regular season more so than the Clippers and Lakers. I think they have young players who are going to compete all 72 games. I think that Nikola Jokic is going to be the nucleus of that one seed. And I can see the Nuggets being one of the, like, having the best record in the NBA. And if he ends up putting up 24, 11, and 8, damn near triple number, triple double numbers, being one of the best big men in the NBA, why not? I mean, I think he's a very sneaky candidate to be MVP. And if I was a person that was looking to bet MVP this year as just a, as in a sleeper type of vibe, as a guy with longer odds, take Nicole Jokic because I think he could easily win him. How lucky are we that we get to experience a big man who plays like him? You know, because this is like in the 70s what they wanted to see with Bill Walton. This is in the 80s and 90s what they wanted to see with Sabonis. And none of those, it just didn't work out. We never got to see that quintessential point forward or point center, I guess, in this point. What do you mean? Yes, we have. It's called, uh, actually, I mean, Dirk Nowinski, maybe. No. No, he was never a facilitator like that. He was a stretch 
yeah, he was a stretch big. Like with yeah. with Jokic, it's like you run the offense through him. The offense starts with Nikola Jokic, whether he is standing back to the basket at the free throw line or he's bringing the ball up the court. You know, he's able to do so many things with the basketball in his hands. He's got a relatively good handle on the ball, which is insane for the fact that he's seven feet tall and big. You know, I mean, KD's seven feet tall, but that's different. He's he's different, so he doesn't count. But you know, Nikola Jokic is not a bad pick. I think he's a first-team All-NBA. I just don't see them giving a center the MVP. Well, I mean, when's the last time we saw a center get the MVP? I think it was... Shaq, um, maybe? No, no, it, was, it was, wasn't Dwight. He never got one, but I think it was probably Timmy. No, Duncan's not a center. Yeah, but he's close enough. I mean, when's the last... You know what I mean? But you got to see, like, the, the center in the NBA is going... It's going by the wayside. He is such a good representation of what we want to see in centers moving forward, but we're just never going to, we're not going to see anything like this for a long time. Not somebody who has that kind of court vision. He's definitely first team all NBA. I would love to see him get the MVP because I do believe that he is the most valuable player on potentially the number one seed in the, in the West. I agree with you on that, but I just like, I think the voters have an East coast bias a little bit also. So that's going to be a problem. And I think that, you know, the, the Northwest division always gets fucked with this stuff. Because think about how long it took Damian to get into the into the All Star game. Think about how long it took Carmelo to get into the All Star game. It's always that particular division that always gets screwed because they never have like a a very like flashy fun team. Utah, who gives a shit? You know, Denver, okay, whatever. Portland, you know, whatever. Who cares? And then like OKC, which at some point was fun, but like the cities aren't interesting. The Pacific has the Lakers and the Clippers now, but like the Lakers were always a thing. And like the Southwest was only a one hour time difference. So most people were able to watch those games. So the the Northwest has always been kind of on the bad end of that stuff. Hopefully it's not the case anymore. Hopefully that Jokic gets the recognition he deserves. I love that pick. I just don't know if it's going to actually happen. Manifest it into existence. <laughs> Wait, tell you, if it, if it does happen... It would be heard first on NBA Stories Pod. That that's a hundred percent. I'm gonna we're gonna soundbite the shit out of it immediately. <laughs> did you see? Did you see what I posted? Simmons and uh and and House and Joe House did uh did the over unders. Yeah, like last well, night. Every, well, every, everyone does that though. Yeah, but that we hit expected. it. We hit it first. So we did. Yeah, we did do. We it did first. it first. We did. First. <laughs> we're on the cutting edge. Okay, next up, defensive player of the year, and uh, I'll go first on this one too. Because I think he was robbed last year of this award. I think that he honestly deserved to get it. Anthony Davis has consistently been probably the best defensive big man in the league for, what, six years straight? You know, at his size, you call him 6'10 if you want. He's not 6'10. He's probably 6'9 at best. And he is able to work any big man in the entire league and he's able to guard three to five relatively easily he moves side to side quickly he's got great horizontal speed on defense the fact that he can guard in and out I I don't see Giannis taking this I think Giannis got it last year just because of name brand honestly at this point I don't know if he was both you know the depoy and the MVP because I think AD was the defensive player of the year last year but I think he's going to get it this year Mm, I honestly have to disagree with you I like Ben Simmons. I think he's an athletic guy. He really makes up for his lack of a jump. I mean, he doesn't really make up for it, but his defense is second to none. And I think he was someone who was robbed of it last year. Um, if you watch Ben Simmons, he you know he gets up and down the court. He is he's very versatile. He could he could defend in the paint. He could defend on the line. Um, watch out for Ben Simmons. 
But the guy I'm going to pivot to is actually his teammate in Joel Embiid. I think oh. Joel Embiid's one of the mm. more talented shot blockers in the NBA. He's the anchor to that Sixers defense, and we're going to see that defense really show its true colors under the stewardship of Doc Rivers this year. I just think that Embiid can anchor down a lineup. He can average at 24 and 12, and he can get you like two to three blocks a game. And I just like what he his game. I like what he does, and I think that he fits that mold of defensive player of the year type very, really well. I think Simmons is the best pick. I love Simmons the most, but I'm not going to sit here and talk exact exact to talk the same song that Logan just did. So I'm going to go Joel. I think the reason why I like AD is that he's got this pogo stick type ability where Embiid is a bigger guy who if you go he's got great timing and he's got the ability to guard down low and he's huge so it's not really like you're going to get past him down low like AD can mistime a shot and then like get right back up off the ground where I don't think like Embiid has that ability which is I think why AD is a little bit better as a defender down low he doesn't have the size definitely but I think it's going to really come down to like genuinely who wins is going to come down to which team does better. That's yeah. how that, that award usually goes. Regular season awards are always about who does better in the regular season. It's why Giannis has been kind of Cleaning ra- raking him in the past yeah. couple of seasons. Yeah. You know, so I mean, if the, if the Sixers do well, we'll see. I think Embiid or Simmons could definitely win it. I love Ben Simmons on defense. You know, that's really his redeeming quality, honestly, his defense to take away from the fact that like his offensive game, while amazing, has been like the same as it was his rookie season, in my opinion. Good pick. I like both of those picks. Next up, most improved. Karis LeVert. Why? I mean, we were hyping him up earlier. I mean, I feel like this guy, <clears throat> he's constantly getting, you know, not enough attention because it's his team either sucked or, you know, now Kyrie's on his team with Durant. I don't know. I feel like Karis LeVert, like we said, he's going to be an important piece to this Brooklyn team because – Kyrie's not playing like he did last night every single night. And I think that, you know, when Kyrie comes out, they need constant guard play. You know, you can't just bank on Durant and Kyrie being everything. And I think a lot of Brooklyn's success is going to come from guys like Karis LeVert, like Jared Allen. You know, the young guys who are – they're not the backbone of this team by any sense, but they're definitely the arms or legs here. Okay. Yeah, I can I can vibe with it. I, I mean – I think that he's going to kind of get tucked away a little bit from like the stars. So I don't know if MIP is really in his future, but I think that if it, if it would happen, I, I could definitely see how it could. Mike, what do you think? Who do you think is going to be the most improved? So my opinion on the most improved player is going to be Christian Wood. And I love Christian Wood's game. I think last year he's going to really build on that momentum. He's in a bigger market. And if the Rockets make the playoffs or vie for a playoff spot, I mean, Christian Wood could easily win it. I mean, his teammates have talked so glowingly about him and how good he is and how much of a dynamic player he is in finishing around the rim, how much he's a sponge and takes in their knowledge. I mean, DeMarcus Cousins said that he could be one of the best big men in the league, not just like, oh, in the Western Conference. No, in the NBA Basketball Association. That is just speaks volumes to me. I think that Wall and Harden as facilitators, we'll see how long Harden's there. But I think Wall and Harden can really help feed Christian Wood down low and feed Christian Wood off PNR. He's athletic enough where he's going to get a bunch of rebounds, and I think he can 
get some blocks. And if he puts up an 18 and 10, 18, 11 year, I mean, I think that's a pretty vast improvement, especially that he's going to get way more recognition now. So I like where his just role in the team. And I think he is going to win MIP. Christian Wood's going to have a good season. I think having a facilitator like John Wall is just going to do wonders for him. And, uh, and and it's it's going to be really interesting to see how that Rockets team does and where Harden is by the end of the season and if they're able to compete even without him because I, I don't think any of us believe that he's going to play the whole season in Houston. So for me, I'm sticking to my SGA pick earlier. I know that the roster is really depleted, but I think that's going to vie well for his his case as MIP because if they win... If they if they hit the over on their win on their wins, I think it was what, what like twenty two and a half. If they are in contention for the eighth seed, which they won't be, but if they are relatively competitive, it's going to be on the on the shoulders of Shea Gilgis Alexander. And, and if it's not, if if they're not, then obviously that that'll go by the wayside. But the the point share here has increased monumentally in Oklahoma City. He averaged nineteen a game last year. I'm assuming based on his ability, based on his his skill set, that he is probably going to be upwards of 23, 24, potentially even 25 or 26 points a game. And uh, if that happens, it's going to be very hard to say that he's not the most improved because that's kind of the calling card of the most improved player is just improving every aspect of your game. So I, I say SGA. I think that there's also a case for DeAndre Ayton this year too with Chris Paul. So that's going to be an interesting concept there because Booker's going to get his but Booker doesn't necessarily need Chris Paul to set him up to get points DeAndre could really use that on pick and pops and PNRs to to get points so we'll see if Aiton has a case for that going forward I like those picks as well the other one is coach of the year Logan I want to hear yours first who is your coach of the year for 2021 my coach of the year is going to be Quinn Snyder from the Utah Jazz. Bad pick. Bad pick. That was bad. No, what a bad pick. I, you know what? <laughs> I'm trying to think of coaches that we're, you're not really thinking of. I love Quinn Snyder. I love the Jazz. Um, they just signed Gobert to a huge extension. Uh, they're going to make some noise. Who's the coach of the uh, Nuggets? Mike Malone. I think he's another good pick for coach of the year. I think the Nuggets are going to do really well this year. I wouldn't be surprised. Mike, I have a feeling you're probably going to take Malone, but yeah, no, you're 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 one hundred percent right because I mean, as I as I said, I think Malone. I think they're going to be the one seed for the Nuggets, and I, if you're the one seed in the West this year, I think that you're going to ultimately you're going to win coach of the year, and I think that that's good, even if it's Frank Vogel. Yeah, even for Frank Vogel, absolutely. Because I, I don't think-, think Frank Vogel needs Coach of the Year. I think they desire. I think he. I think Coach of the Year should go to someone who coaches a team that isn't supposed to do well and they do better than expected. I don't think a Coach of the Year should go to a team with the best roster in the NBA. That's just how I feel. That's. I mean, yeah. that that's fair to say. But it depends who puts the pieces together for the best roster in the NBA. It's not like Frank Vogel has seemed to be an incompetent coach. I mean, he's coached some very good teams and coached up some mediocre teams into playoff teams. I think that it comes down to how you execute and also how you coach your team for the whole year. So you notice, so like with these teams nowadays, that the guys with the best rosters typically don't do the best in the regular season. Unless it's like a very, like a super team like the Warriors had 
a couple years ago, like where you had like a big four and three of them were NBA all-stars and all NBA team guys, because they don't give as much effort in the regular season as they used to. I think there's some real opportunity in the Eastern conference for a coach of the year, whether it's Nash, he's got a chance. Uh, Brad Stevens, if the Celtics do but Eric Spolstra, there's some good coaches in the Eastern conference. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah, I, I 100% think that, too, and I agree. But if I just had to whittle down to one coach of the year candidate, I'm going to say Mike Moyle. I really want to say Spolstra just because, like, I live in Miami and I know how good he is as a genuine, like, a genuine coach. He had the the big three, and we were all like, okay, well, he's got a big three. Like, obviously, he's going to do well. He's got the three of the, like, ten best players in the league on his team at once. And then he lost him. And his team was still in contention for playoff spots. And then last year happens where he has just one star, one bona fide star, and a bunch of pieces. We didn't know Bam was a star last year. We know we know now he's he's very good. Tyler Hero. Tyler. We didn't know these guys were going to be good. We didn't know Duncan Robinson was going to average fifteen a game. We didn't know those things. And he 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 takes his team to like a three seed. Midway through the season, they were looking like the two seed in the East. You know, like they were one of the best teams in the entire conference. And, uh, and that was Spolstra. That was just him using them. Right. So I think that he should be in consideration more than I think he will be another name that I think might get more recognition than people want to say right now is going to be Stan Van. And I think the reason why is because his starting lineup is actually relatively stacked. Uh, if you think about the fact that he's got Bledsoe, Lonzo, Ingram, Zion and then Steven Adams at five. It's pretty good. I mean, it's pretty that's a pretty good lineup if you think about it. You have your, you have your scorer, you have your Zion. I mean, Zion's gonna do what he does. Adams is like you really can't have a more consistent download presence than Steven Adams, and he's only twenty six. So it's like he's he's around for a while. Lonzo as like the point guard, and then the off ball guy as as Eric Bledsoe. Like, what else do you need? I I mean, I just think that that team's going to really be really be annoying to people. Especially in that conference or that division, they're going to get a lot of easy wins over guys in that division. I mean, the, the Spurs are diminished. the The Rockets look like they're about to be diminished. The Mavericks are really the only threat that they have. And then, as long as Triple J's out, I don't know what Memphis is going to do with them. So, like, they're going to get a lot of wins there. And then, let's see how they do when they're playing the Eastern Conference. I mean, that team could honestly, if you think about it, could genuinely be a five seed. If they get it together and who's better to get a team together than Stan Van Gundy, you know, like look what he, he, he brought literally a magic team to the finals with Richard Lewis and Dwight Howard. Granted, Dwight Howard back then was like insane. You know, like it was, you know, he was easy to build around. Hey, Richard, like, Richard, think about that. Richard Lewis is very good as well. I love Richard, man. He was so much fun. He was so much fun to play with in, in NBA Live. And Jameer Nell. I mean, there was there was guys. Sure, sure. But like that didn't really look like a finals caliber oh, team no, no. at the it beginning of the season. It did not. And they and he worked them to a, a finals caliber team. So, you know, if he's able to stand Van his way to a playoff to a playoff spot, I think that he should be in contention. Uh I think Nick Nurse is definitely gonna get some looks too, just because he he just figures out a way to do this shit. You know, and Steve Nash definitely is going to get some looks if this team does well, but I don't really know how much he's going to have to do with it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So next, next up, we have let's see, rookie of the year. I've been very high on Halliburton since the draft because I just like Halliburton. I haven't seen him play yet, you know. So I guess it remains to be seen. 
And it, this one's tough because we've really only seen one guy so far in, in James Wiseman. But the point that people had for Wiseman being the rookie of the year kind of was proven last night because he's in a position now in Golden State in a, in a very high pay, high-paced like team to put up a lot of points in probably a diminished amount of minutes. He did that last night. If he's consistent with this, and we know now he can average damn near 20 a game. He did it last night. Let's see if against one of the better teams in the league. Is he going to be able to actually crack 20 a game this season? Yes. If he's able to do that, you know, there's no doubt he's a rookie of the year. I would say Wiseman's going to be the rookie of the year just because of the notoriety that comes with where he's playing. I don't think anybody's even going to look at Anthony Edwards just because, like, fuck Minnesota. Who cares? I mean, Wiseman's definitely showing why he was potentially going to be the first pick if it wasn't Minnesota picking. So I'm going with, and I'm going with, uh, with James Wiseman. What do you guys think? You know, obviously James Wiseman is going to blow the competition out of the water in terms of how much he scores as a rookie. And like you said, it was proven last night. He's kind of set up perfectly. And, 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 and we spoke about this like before draft day when we had to draft for teams and I had the Warriors. I knew they were going to take Wiseman. It, it, was just, it was just too good of a fit to trade down for. And if it's not James Wiseman, obviously I want to say Obi Toppin because I'm a Knicks fan, but I think Obi has a good shot. You know, he's got, he's got no time to dilly-dally. He's 22 years old. Either he's going to be a huge impact for the Knicks or he's going to suck eggs. Don't be surprised if Obi Toppin gets thrown in there for the conversation. But also LaMelo Ball, he just has to get his shot together, but he, he looks like he's – he looks like he's going to average about nine assists per game this season. So if he scores and he actually gets some production on this Charlotte Hornets team, we really could be talking about him. If I had to give one definitive rookie of the year, I it's tough and I'm grasping at Charlotte, but I would say James Wiseman. I just like his volume. I like where he's going to be put at on this Warriors team. He's going to have to learn really quickly, and I just think that he'll be a great fit for rookie of the year personally. Because I just think it's exactly what we were talking about last night. Like, yeah. how many times were we talking during that that draft episode? The dude gallops, man. He runs. He's he's so good at getting up and down the court. And what's better for a warrior system than a big man who is a true seven footer and can run? I mean, it just makes sense. He is an NBA ready player. Whereas I don't know if Lamelo's flashy and fun, and like he, there's a lot of things about his game that are really impressive, like his vision and stuff. Like he's able to get the ball in transition to who needs to get it. And uh, but there's so many holes right now, holes that make him not as NBA ready as James Wiseman is right now. So I think that Lamelo will probably get a lot of votes. He's probably going to be first team. Um, I'm still unsure about Obi Toppin. I too am a Knicks fan, but like, you know, I I like to be proven wrong about Knicks rookies because there's so many shitty picks that they make. So you know, I like to say like "fuck you" until you're good. We'll see about Obi. He is fun to watch. He's a high flyer, probably the best uh, leaper in the draft right now. So Wiseman seems like it's going to be the safe bet. That's probably where the Vegas odds are going to be the worst for you. I mean, if you want to actually make money, so. There's that, and then the last one, if you, unless you guys can think of other ones, is going to be the sixth man of the year. And you know, while he started last night, I don't anticipate that Dennis Schroeder is going to remain a starter on the Lakers the whole season. 
And the second he starts to come off of the bench, I think that he's going to be put in contention for sixth man of the year because we see how fluid the dynamic between him and Montrez is right now. And so if he's able, he only, he damn near had a triple double last night, you know. So if he he had twelve boards, which is crazy for me to even say six one, maybe one hundred and eighty pounds, like he's so small. Him not winning this award is really just consistent contingent on if Vogel starts him. If he's a if he's a bench player, I think it's kind of surefire unless you want to give it to like Dinwiddie. But I think right now it's it's Dennis Schroeder unless somebody else comes to fruition later. But I don't know what you guys think if if that's a good pick or if somebody else. No, I think that's a good pick. Um, I, I I really can't think of anyone else who could possibly win it. I mean, I know that I know they're out there, but I think uh, he takes the cake. I think that's a very solid pick. I think that he's going to be within the top three voting, and he's one more safer bets. I'm gonna go with the guy that popped off the bench last night is Karis Levert. I think that him as a six man this year, as a guy that's going to be the point guard of the second unit. A guy that can score 15 to 18 a game, give you like five to six assists a game. I think he's a perfect fit for a rookie, uh, for a six man of the year. And I think he's going to be a vital part of a winning team in the Brooklyn Nets for sure. And he's proven it. He's already proven that he can, he can do this. You know, like he's done this on Nets teams before they had the stars. And now it's clear he's going to do that for the Nets team while they're, you know, when they have stars on it. Again, like a lot of times the issue with six man is that sometimes guys get too good to be a six man. So it's it's always a tough award because sometimes they play so well, they play into the starting lineup. Does Karis LeVert start to take the Dinwiddie role? Does Dinwiddie come off? the Like who knows what's going to happen with that? So I, I agree. I like that as well. Yeah. So, so in the next segment and Mike came up with all these cool, these cool names of the segments is a uh, May Madness instead of March Madness. I like that. So last year, last week we gave you the one through eights. This week we're going to give you the ECFs and the WCFs of this year, the Eastern Conference Finals, Western Conference Finals. Who's going to be in the in the conference finals? And then, of course, later we're going to go into the finals as well. So my Eastern Conference Finals this year, I truly believe that the Heat are going to make it back. Because I think that Spolstra is, has enough seasoning and veteranship on that team to be able to win a seven-game season, a seven-game series consistently, and I think that they have now a literal rookie with Finals experience in Tyler Hero, who is improving. I mean, how how invaluable is that? Bam Adebayo, and these guys have a chip on their shoulder. So let's see how good they are. One team in the ECF. I think the other one they're going to probably be playing. As much as I hate to say it, I, I think the Bucks are finally going to make it this year. I really like the Drew Holiday edition because I think that that's really what they were missing. They never really had a, a genuine point guard. They always had kind of had these like combo guys, you know, like George Hill, Eric Bledsoe, uh, DiVincenzo, whatever you want to call it. Like these guys who weren't genuine point guards. Now they have a, a true point guard in, in Drew Bledsoe that could potentially be the the X factor on this team. So I think they're going to make it to that Eastern Conference Finals. I don't think they're going to win that Eastern Conference Finals. I think that the Heat are going to take them to six, probably maybe even seven, but Bam's going to lock down Giannis just like he did last year, and it's going to be a really tight contention, but I think the Heat will have their number again and get it to the Finals. On the Western Conference side, it's going to be another one-two right here. 
you know, the one seed I think is again going to to be the Lakers. As much as I think the Nuggets could probably take that, they're probably going to be a close two. I think that you know having the ability to play with their backs against the wall has given them the ability to win. Last year, last season, they did it twice in a row, and and to to be able to do it twice in a row at a three one deficit really shows the grit from somebody like a Jamal Murray. You now have your dog. You have your closer. This is the guy who's going to be able to go out there, give you 50 on any given night, and all of a sudden, you know, you have a star in the making. So, like, this is going to be what's going to take them to the next level. They'll make it to the Western Conference Finals because I don't see anybody in that conference besides the other team, of course, the Lakers, who can take them down. But I think the Lakers are going to really prep for the postseason, this this regular season, just like you're saying, Mike. They're going to prep for that season. They're going to figure it out, how their team is the best constructed. They might lose some games in the meantime, but it's not going to mean that they're going to lose enough to miss anything other than a two-seed. They're going to bulldoze their way through the sevens and the three-six matchup, whatever the case is, make it to that, that Western Conference Finals. I don't think it's really going to be close again. I think that LeBron, just like just like the Heat are going to have the the Bucks number, LeBron's going to have their number, and I'm, I'm saying we're going to have a rematch last year this year. So Heat Lakers in the finals. That's my prediction. Logan, what do you think is going to happen in these conference finals? Out of the Eastern Conference, I'm going to say that the Nets are going to make it, and the Bucks are going to make it, but I think the Bucks are going to have to really, really push in the finals because, or push in the playoffs because, you know, yes, they have Holiday now, but I, I think Giannis needs to play more. He sits too much, and I, you look at LeBron James, he's, he's, he's almost 40 years old, and he's playing, you know, 45 minutes a game. It's just Giannis needs to do that, and I think that's the only way they get there. So I'm going to go Nets, Bucks, but Oh, the Heat, the Heat are going to get very close, and I think in the Western Conference, I think it's going to be Clippers, Lakers, and in the finals, it's going to be Lakers versus Nets. I think Kevin Durant is. I'm telling you, Kevin Durant's going to be on a mission this year. Mark my word. I dig it. I'm going to piggyback off that. I'm going to agree with you. I like the LA versus LA matchup. I think everyone saw it happening last year. I think the Clippers evac some revenge against the Nuggets in the Western semis. And then they face the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. In the East, this is where I'm going to go a little bit off the conventional path. I'm going to go with the Philadelphia 76ers versus versus the uh, Brooklyn Nets. I think that the 76ers are going to take a next step under the stewardship Uh of Doc Rivers. I like their team. I think they can beat you in a multitude of different ways. I think they have the roster for playoff basketball that fits extremely well, especially with the shooters they surround themselves with this year. And I think it's just the Doc Rivers effect. I think they lose in the Eastern Conference Finals to the Nets, and we'll get there in a little bit. But I like like what we see from them, and I think that's going to be the two matchups in both the playoffs. In the in the semifinals of the NBA Finals. Where are you from again? I am. Where did you say you were from, Mike? I am from Sewell, New Jersey. But 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 I am a Spurs fan at heart. I grew up donning the black and white, and Tim Duncan is my favorite athlete of all time. So I am not in a biased state of mind. I was a Spurs fan when I was a kid. Did I ever tell you that? I got like a bunch of Spurs stuff. I got like a Timmy jersey, and I used to to. 
in art class, I used to make all Spurs stuff. I have some on my wall, <laughs> but uh, I stopped that because they're so fucking boring. But um, okay. I mean, listen, I'm I just don't the the Sixers are the Clippers of the East because like the Clippers are gonna clip. They're just gonna figure out a way to lose somehow. The same way with the Sixers, it's just like Doc Rivers. It's funny because Doc Rivers is now the coach of both. I think that Doc Rivers, if he's, they have a great roster for the East, and I think if anybody's gonna figure it out, it's gonna be Doc. I think that he has just as much, if not, yeah, I would say he has just equal amount of talent that he had in Boston when he won a championship. So we'll see what he can do with it. I mean, the Sixers are—they're always a question mark. You know, they're always someone who could figure it out if they. It, everyone's just—it's always like if they could just get it done. Brett Brown was kind of the reason why. So the last segment that we have here, you can kind of tell it's kind of been up, coming up to this, leading up to this. Crown me captain. Finals predictions. Who's going to take it home? Who's going to win the second of the of the pandemic games, as I like to call them, or the bubble games, but we're not in a bubble anymore. I will start. So as I mentioned, my finals are the Lakers and the Heat. And whereas I love this matchup, happening again and I'm very confident that it's going to happen again I think that the outlook is going to be just a little bit different because if you if you both remember the Heat were competing very well with the Lakers up until the injury started to derail them they had Bam get hurt then they had Dragic get hurt these guys were pivotal to them winning in the conference finals they were pivotal to them winning in the conference semifinals I mean you need Bam to guard your best big man. You need Dragic to facilitate the offense. If you lose those guys, you lose a, a whole lot of your offense and defense. Obviously, Bam came back. Dragic didn't still hurt them. Lost them a couple games just from them being on the bench. I think with the team healthy, the Miami Heat versus the Los Angeles Lakers, have an, the Miami Heat have an answer for everybody on the Lakers right now. They have Jimmy Butler for LeBron. Switch them off. Get Bam on LeBron. Have a big man guard AD have Bam on AD. I th- that's what I said going into this finals, and I saw that in the first couple games. And then eventually, injuries started to deteriorate them, like I mentioned before. I'm saying the Heat take it to six, and I'm saying they win this 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 finals this year. Wow. I'm thinking that Tyler Hero is going to have a lot to do with it, yeah, because right. Tyler Hero is going to take another step. I'm saying Tyler Hero is going to be averaging 18 to 20 this season, and probably is going to do that same thing in the playoffs and definitely will do it in the finals because he doesn't give a fuck, dude. That's the thing about Tyler Hero. He doesn't care about your opinions of him. He doesn't care about the 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 platform that he's on. He doesn't care about who's watching. He just goes and does his job. And that's like the best part about this kid. It's going to be a big thing because he also has the hardest worker in the NBA on his team and Jimmy Butler. Heat and six. I'm being a homer. Just like Mike. I'm not a homer. That's that, it. that is fake news. <laughs> fake, fake news. All right, Logan, who do you have for the NBA Finals? Lakers, Nets. And I, I really think this is going to come down to Anthony Davis. And the Nets not having, you know, a really true athletic big man that can keep up with them. I, you know, that they have Jared Allen, who's a great shot blocker. They have DeAndre Jordan, who's a bit old. And I think Anthony Davis, there, there's a reason why I think that Guys like him, Giannis, and Durant are the biggest three mismatches in the NBA. They they are freaks. They are they are not human. You don't grow to seven feet tall and play like a 
you know, have the athleticism of a point guard and have the shooting skills of a shooting guard all, all in a body of a center. It just not even a center body. Just these guys are freaks of nature. And what it comes, it, it, I think the Lakers take the Nets down in seven games. And I think Anthony Davis is finals MVP because Durant is going to be locked up with LeBron. And I think Anthony Davis is going to have himself one hell of a series. You know, again, don't be surprised if Davis can be you – know, Davis can win season MVP. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he sweeps season MVP and finals MVP. I think him in his prime, I think Anthony Davis is set to have one of the best seasons in NBA history. All right, so my finals prediction is going to be similar to what exactly Logan said. I, I like the Lakers versus Nets, but I take the Lakers in a six-game series – I don't think the Nets will have enough chemistry. By then, who knows? But personally, I just think it takes a whole year to gel together. And I think by then, they'll get back next year and win the NBA Finals. I think this is going to be a good learning year. They're going to learn who they have out of each player. They're going to learn how Kyrie and KD get along, which it looked fantastic last night. But it's a different, it's a different thing in a playoff atmosphere in a final setting. So... Give me the Lakers in six games. Six games. I, f- I feel like the Lakers take the Nets on. It's it's not going to be that close. I think the Lakers will figure them out because they've just been together for longer. You know. By the way, Houston games postponed tonight. They don't have eight players. Yeah, I just saw that. Woj just bombed again. Okay, so we have two Lakers predictions. Is that what you said, Lakers, too, Logan? Yes. So Lakers, Lakers, and I'm saying the Miami Heat. Because everybody sleeps on the heat, and I cannot wait to watch them just kick ass this year. And so that's that's that, folks. I think that is the last segment that we had, and I'm I'm very excited to see the the season continue. Unfortunately, the Rockets aren't going to start their season yet tonight, even though we thought they were. But uh, as it goes along, you know where to go. We're going to be talking about it. We're going to be. I'm going to keep dropping these bonus episodes too that you guys have been listening to. Thanks for reaching out for everybody who has about the history stuff. I love the history stuff, so I'm going to keep doing it, but it's going to be like shorter because like who the fuck wants to listen to an hour long on the jailblazers? You know, <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't think I would. So that being said, Logan, Mike, anything to report from either one of you guys? Uh, nothing from me. Nothing from me as well. Just looking forward to the NBA season and the first true night of NBA basketball is tonight. We're going to see a lot of different teams in a lot of different directions, and we're going to see a lot of young talent and veteran talent go on display, and I'm excited for it. But not the Rockets. We're not going to see the Rockets. No, we won't. Or (laughs) OKC Thunder, for that matter. Because they all wanted to go to a fucking barber and get a haircut at the same time. (laughs) They wanted to to catch a nice fade and... Instead, fade. <laughs> instead they didn't. Instead they got they're gonna they're gonna see a fade on their paychecks because yeah, they could fade oh, on their paychecks on their ass. All right, folks, hit that like button, leave a five star review, hit that subscribe button so you know when we drop. And uh, if you're not ugly, stay beautiful. And uh, I'll see you guys next week. 